Well, good morning, family. Good to see you guys. I don't know if you all noticed, but Mr. Bill is back welping out on the... So if any of you are new and you're not used to Mr. Bill, get used to it. Have any of you uh, ever had somebody just drop by? Like, this doesn't happen very much anymore. Like, it used to be, like, before texting and social media and all that kind of stuff, like, it was harder to get a hold of people. Y'all remember when we had landlines? Remember the, the retractable cord? It wasn't very retractable, but it was like that, that big, long corkscrew cord that you just pull and then it wrap up on itself. Man, the struggle was real like back in the day. And people don't really drop in anymore on people. But if it does happen, you're immediately thinking, what are they doing here? Like what, what is going on? I've tried to drop in on people before and especially as the pastor, it is literally like you can tell they're like, what did I do wrong? Like, why is the pastor at my house? And I literally didn't have any agenda. I was just in the area and dropped by their house. But I know if somebody just drops by our house, with all the craziness that's happening in our house and the house is a mess and kids are bouncing off the walls, I'm thinking the whole time, like, why are you here? Get to the point of why you're here. I want to understand because there's no way that you just drop by to say hi. Like there is a purpose. As we approach the Easter season, it is so important to us that you understand why Jesus came and what he came to do. And I know it could be easy to say, well, he came to die on the cross for our sins. Well, no, not just that. That, that, was, that was a big piece of it for sure, but there was so much more involved. And so, you know, anybody who reads the Bible a lot more, they're like, well, he came to fulfill prophecy. Okay, granted. But you know, he could have fulfilled prophecy and we would have known nothing about his character. Like he could have just checked off all the boxes. He could have fulfilled prophecy, died on the cross, and did everything he needed to do, but he did so much more than that. And as we approach this Easter season, we've been praying that the Lord would stir in your hearts what he did for you. Why he did it? Because if it's not stirred in your heart, you will not have a burden for your, in your heart for anyone else. And why it's so important that they hear and that they see. So I wanna talk to you about this. First of all, Jesus came to show us what God is like. He came to show us what God is like. Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Now this, this actually was a part of an early church hymn. So the early churches would sing this song because sometimes we need to be reminded who Jesus is, that he is God, that he is a perfect reflection of the character of who God is. 
Have you ever had the wrong picture of who someone is? Have you ever mistook someone for someone else? You ever made that? I mean, it can get really awkward really quick. I remember a few years ago when Cody and I were, were leading, directing our, our school for college students. I was at the church one day and I, I had this call come up on my phone. I didn't really recognize the number. Uh, and <laughs> this is before all the robocalls and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so I was like, well, if somebody has my number, then, you know, this has to be important. <laughs> and so I answered it. And as soon as I answered it, I heard this man on the other side say, is this James? I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, I thought so. I just want to let you know that if you ever talk to my daughter again, I will kill you. And I was like, uh, sir, I think you have the wrong number. And he's like, oh, no, I don't. I know exactly who you are. And then he went off. I have never heard anyone string that many cuss words together with such articulation, coupled with the threats. It was creative. Like, I started, I'm like, well, he's, he, is, he is stepping up and defending his, like, I almost started taking notes. I'm like, this is good stuff. Like, I want to. I want to have this someday in case I need to make this kind of phone call. But, but I, as he is talking, I started realizing what was going on. and who, I knew who he was, even though I didn't know what was going on. I realized that this was the dad of one of the girls that was coming into our school. And I, had to, I interviewed all the students, did a phone interview before they came into our school. And so she must have saved my number under James. And that was it. And so I started to realize, so I kept trying to interject, but he was on a roll. I mean, he was just, and before I could really say anything, he just hung up. He was done. I was like, oh, well, there you go. I didn't know you could do that with a knife, but that is, that's, that's really interesting. And, and about five minutes later, the same number popped up on my phone. I'm like, wow, he's back for round two. And I answered, and he said, um, uh, hello? A lot different tone. Uh, Pastor James? <laughs> and I was like, yes, my son. <laughs> he's like, I just, uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> so his daughter had been dating a guy named James. And apparently he was a real jerk and was being really inappropriate. And, and so responded what I felt like was a very appropriate way just to the wrong person altogether. So you can imagine what it was like the first time we met face to face because I'd never met him before face to face. First time we met him face to face, I was like, he was like. I want you to know I don't normally talk like that. Last thing I would want is for the first time you meet God that it's awkward because you actually completely misread his character. Like. You can, you can think that you know someone and have the best intentions and be so sincere, 
and think you know who God is and be completely wrong. But it's like how Billy Graham said it. If I'm ever wondering what God is like, I just take a closer look at Jesus. I just study Jesus. You know, there's, there's websites, millions of websites that will talk about who God is. Like try to guess, try to, on this one website, they asked, you know, who is God to you? And this one guy said, well, God is the sun. And, and I am like a light beam coming from the sun. And, and since a light beam comes from the sun, it's essentially the same essence that is the sun. And so I am God because I come from the sun. And I was like, all right, good luck with that, buddy. Another one, I think God is like our grandson because he likes to hide. And then he'll jump out and scare you. I'm like, okay. One guy wrote, I like to think of God as this sweet and tolerant person pleased with everything he sees in the world. Pansy. Like, that, that's not gonna work out for real. Sorry, I can't say it that way. Sorry, take that off the recording. People can see God a lot of different ways. They can see him as a drill sergeant. They can see him as a judge. They can see him as a genie in a bottle that you just, you know, can have wishes and he'll just grant whatever you need. But when you have the wrong view of God, you will distance yourself from him or you will try to abuse his grace. And I'm convinced though, I'm convinced that if people know who God really is, they will run to him. They'll go after him with everything that they have. They won't try to avoid him, run from him, deny him. In John 1.18, it says this, no one has ever seen God. Okay, so before Jesus, other than a few different specific instances, people would just guess. Like if God was in something or moving, you know, it's like, I think that's God. It might just be bad pita bread. I don't know. Like, like it, they were just guessing. But then the son of God came, the only son who is the same as God and is, the fa- and is at the father's side. He has made him known. So another way to say this is Jesus is the perfect interpretation of God the perfect interpretation. And he only does what he sees his father doing and he only says what his father is saying. I think there's a lot you can learn from God, even just by looking at creation. Like if you didn't have this knowledge of who Jesus is, you could learn a lot about God just by looking at his creation. Like we know that God likes variety. Like that's obvious. Look around you. Like look down your robe. We are different. God loves variety. Like God never mass produced anything. There are 3,000 different types of beetles. That's overkill, people. Like, that's crazy. Think about just the variety of different kinds of monkeys. One has a blue butt. Like, how random is that? God likes variety. And with all the different types of people in the world, it's just so beautiful to God. 
Look at the landscapes. You ever seen a sunset that was exactly like another sunset? Sunset? Our God is more than enough. It's more than enough. We know that God's organized. Like nature itself has organized these very complex ecosystems. Just the earth spinning on an axis that tilts at just the perfect amount of degrees for seasons to happen the way that they happen. It's crazy. The distance that we are from the sun, like literally feet closer, we'd burn up. Feet further away, we'd freeze. But God holds it all together. We know that God is powerful. Like we can see tornadoes and hurricanes and tidal waves and lava coming out of volcanoes. The God who created all that, that must be more powerful than the creation itself. How many of you like to watch storms? Okay. Like how, many, how many people in here like when the tornado warnings and all that stuff start happening, you go out on the deck? That's me. Like, I want to watch them come. Like, it is so fascinating to me. Like, I understand if you head for your tornado shelter, I'll send my family down there, but I want to watch it come in. Like, I want to see it coming. I, I, I am in awe of the, the raw power that's packed into a storm. But one of the thoughts I've had so many times, just looking at that and feeling that, I always think, and God is more powerful still. Like, that's nothing. That's like his pinky. Stirring up a little breeze down there. Crazy. But there are some things about God, honestly, we would have never have known if it wasn't for Jesus. Like, if Jesus didn't show up, we wouldn't have known it. For instance, it would be very hard for us to know just how loving God is without Jesus. Jesus told us, but he showed us. Look, Jesus could have portrayed God as this angry tyrant, like, a, like an old man kicking kids off his yard. You know, like, get out of here, annoying little twerps, crumb snatchers. Or we wouldn't have known how much God loves to forgive and give second chances. Like, he doesn't just forgive, he loves it. He enjoys it. We wouldn't know the affectionate nature of God without Jesus. At one point, right as Jesus was being baptized, in Matthew 17, 5, the heavens opened up and God spoke says, but even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from, heaven, from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. But there, there's a message in that for every person in this room because that is the revelation of the character of God and what he thinks about his kids. So the first thing he says is, you're mine. And I'm glad you're mine love you and I'm proud of you. So many people think, man, I'll just don't measure up. 
God never said that. He thinks the opposite. And you're really good at what I created you to do. Right there at the end, like listen to him. Man, I love that. Jesus not only came to earth to help us erase the misconceptions about God, but he also came to destroy the works of Satan. That's a big part of this. I love this, this really small passage in Judges 3.31. It's talking about all the different judges that God was using. They actually made a, recently made a, a short film about this. In verse 31, it tells a story, if you want to call it that, about Shamgar, one of the judges. It says, after Ehud came, Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. Like, how can you just write a sentence like that? It's like, what? You know what an ox goat is? It's essentially just like a tool you use to get your ox to go. Like, this is a redneck tool, in my opinion. Like, this guy is like the, the epitome of a redneck. Like, he's, he's just hanging out one day. He's like, man, there's a bunch of bills things coming up here now. That's how he talked. He's an Israelite. That's how they talk. He's like, I got 600 problems coming this way. I bet this tool right here will help me take care of all 600 of those problems. And he used a cattle prod, essentially. And God used him to kill 600 problems. But this is what I love about Jesus. When Jesus came he destroyed all the work of the enemy. You see, there's so many times in our lives that we think we have the tool we need to defeat all the problems we have, but what we forget is Jesus already defeated all the problems we really have. Like he's already destroyed it. It says in 1 John 3, 8, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Okay, now this is speaking of rebellion. That's, that's the, the original language in this. So there's a big difference between I made a mistake, it, I, I, I know I shouldn't have done it, and I'm making mistakes on purpose. I'm gonna continue to do that, and nobody can change my mind. That's what it's saying there. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So everywhere Satan has been doing work, Jesus came and wants to now undo his work. That's his purpose. Luke 4, 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So, the first thing I wanna point out in the scripture is it says that he wants to help blind people see. I wanna help blind people see, but he is not just talking about physical blindness. John 9, 39 says, Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. What he is talking about is the humble and the prideful. Specifically, he's addressing the Pharisees and saying, they think they see, but they're not gonna see. 
I'm not going to get into this too much, but parables were not just simple, easy, relevant ways for us to understand. Parables were judgment against religious people. Parables were taught so that Jesus can make it really, really clear to everyone listening, including the religious, where they stand. So it's the difference between this. Like if I told one of my kids, you need to go brush your teeth. And they look at me like I am one of the cruelest people on earth. And then they have this tone that, of course, every 8, 10, 12, and 14-year-old has of they know everything that they will ever need to know. And so eventually you just say, I don't care what you think you know, go brush your teeth. Okay, or I could frame it this way. There was this man who never brushed his teeth. His breath smelled horrible. He began to lose his teeth. He got old and he never kissed a girl. And then he died. He who has ears, let him hear. That could be more effective. And that's exactly what Jesus did. See, you have two people at any given time in this room. And sometimes they're sitting right next to each other. You have one that is humble, leaned in, maybe taking notes, saying amen every once in a while, and another one that's kind of like, I don't really get it. I'm not really into that truth is one is being cured of blindness and the other could be getting more blind still it's all the position of the heart so here's one prayer that I pray when I read the word God help me see what you see help me see that's one thing that the enemy tries to do is blind people from the truth. That's one of the things Jesus came to set us free from. He also loves to set people free from strongholds. Like the things that control our lives. These are habits, addictions, attitudes, bitterness. One of the mentors at New Life Church was, was talking to a couple of the campus pastors. He was talking about his dad who fought in the Korean War and was actually shot down over North Korea. And when he was shot down, he got shrapnel in his leg. And so when he came home, the son was very young still. He hadn't really ever spent any time around his dad because he was at war. So around three and four years old is when he finally started getting to interact with his dad. His dad walked with a limp. And so this little boy walked with a limp. He walked with a limp. People at school, what's wrong? Why are you, it's like, this is just the way I walk. It's the way I walk. At 11 years old, they finally 
got him into physical therapy because he was walking with a limp so much it was causing issues in his hips and in his knees. All he was doing was emulating his dad and didn't realize the way he was walking wasn't right. That is such a powerful picture of what happens in so many of our lives when it comes to strongholds. You see, a lot of times you don't realize that there's something that you're struggling with that could be generational. It could be something that, that even if you didn't know that a family member, a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather struggled with something, that the enemy has just been leveraging that and causing you to walk with a limp. And it's affecting the rest of who you are because you don't see it. You don't realize it. But one of the things that Jesus proved over and over and over again in his ministry is that whatever amount of time Satan has had you in his grip melts in a moment that Jesus touches your life. But it's important for you to see, realize, like, I think this could be a stronghold. Jesus came to heal. And Proverbs 3, 7 says this, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And this will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. How many of you figured out that much of life is beyond your control? Anybody figured that out? Sometimes the only way things are gonna work out is with a miracle. The fact is, you need miracles in your life all the time. Like daily. When you read the Bible, you see these people getting miracles all the time. You find these are pretty ordinary people and miracles are happening in their lives. And when I read that, a lot of times I'm like, okay, so where are all these miracles today? Like, I'd like to see more. Uh, Gideon in the Old Testament had a similar prayer. Gideon said to him, oh Lord, the Lord is with us. Why then has this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? Like Gideon saying, like, I'm tired of just hearing the stories of yesterday. I want my own stories today. I want to see God move. The truth is God is moving all the time. We just don't perceive it. One of the things we know about God for sure is this. Healing is not what God does. Healing is who he is. It's one of his names. In Exodus 15, 26, it says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord God who heals you. The original language, this is the name, Jehovah Rapha. Literally translates to healing the God who heals you. So how does God heal today? You see so many prophecies about the Messiah 
come true through the healing ministry of Jesus. One third of his ministry was healthcare. That's a lot. And he's still healing today. We just have to see how he does it. Well, first of all, God created an immune system. Take care of it. Take care of it. The, the strength of your immune system is determined by how you eat, how you sleep, how you move, and how you carry stress, fear, and anxiety. But you are created in the image of God. He is a healer. And he's created your body to heal itself. God also heals through doctors and nurses and science. Luke was a physician. God used him. And I thank God for all of our doctors and nurses and the wisdom that God has given them. They bring so many healing elements to the world. And sometimes God heals miraculously. But every time I pray for someone for healing, I pray into all three of these. I want all three of these things to be whole. And I've seen in my own walk, some days it's doctors and it's a miracle. And some, day, some days it's just my own body fighting my immune system. And then there's some days God just has to take over the fighting and he does. This is who Jesus came to reveal to us. And I think it's really important that you carry your own revelation of this. Because if you don't, I get why you wouldn't be passionate about inviting people to hear about this Jesus. But if you understand and you've seen it, you know how Jesus has helped reveal the character of God. Everything that he does, then let's be passionate about making sure that other people get to hear and see and understand with us. In Matthew 4, 23, it says this, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease, every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. I want to stop right there. Uh, I want to preface by saying what I'm getting ready to say is not a political statement, so you can just simmer down. There, there, there's, in the last month, there's been over 100,000 people that have, have tried to come across the border. And over 10,000 of them are minors under the age of 18. And a lot of them are just little boys and little girls. The primary reason why their parents are sending them is healthcare. They're sending them because they, they, they really believe, like, because they're sick. They're sick. So they, they feel that if they can send them, then th this is the best chance that they have of these kids getting the help that they need. You know, when you're sick or when you have a sick child, that consumes you. You will do anything, anything, to feel better or to make or help them feel better. I mean, any parent in this room knows that. How many times have you thought when one of your babies was sick, I wish I could take this on myself. I would do that. 
I wish it was me instead of them. Like th- th- this is the kind of thing that's happening around the ministry of Jesus. People are traveling hundreds of miles to get around Jesus. And people soon begin bringing to him all who were sick and whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, healed. Okay, but this is a, this is a different word, this healing, this last part here, it's a different word. It's, it's the word that, the same word that we get the word therapy from in the Greek. This is just mind blowing. Because a lot of times when I read about this, I think, well, Jesus just lined up big old crowd and did it like a TV evangelist and just waved his hand and everybody got healed. But that's not what this verse is saying. What this verse is saying is that he met with them individually. He met with them to learn about them. He gave them therapy and then he healed them. So you have to know this, the physical healings in your life are not a big deal to God. The most important thing to God is the condition of your identity in Christ. And so what Jesus is doing is he is much more concerned that they can see that, yeah, he wants to heal their physical thing. That's not the issue though. Because someone can be healed physically and not healed spiritually and they will forever, even if they were healed physically, they'll forever be sick. They'll forever be wounded. They'll forever be messed up. It's only when, when people see how much Jesus loves them, that healing happens. It's only in that. So I wanna pray for you this morning. If you close your eyes, bow your head. If you're in this room today and you need healing, you need healing. And it may be in any one of the areas we're talking about, it may be a stronghold. It may be something where you're realizing this is, this is something that Maybe you know that it's something someone in your family struggle with. It may be an addiction or there's a physical element that you're struggling with, you're dealing with. You need healing in your body. If you don't mind, I just want you to put your hand up right now and just say, I just need healing in my body. I need healing from a stronghold. Okay, keep those hands up. Keep those hands up. Father God, in the name of Jesus, You sent your son, Jesus, and he he died on the cross. He came to bring healing because you are the healer. And one of the things that happened when he laid down his life and laid down his physical body is there were stripes that were placed on his back so that our bodies can be made whole and complete. Not just our physical bodies, but our mind, will, and emotions. So God, for every person that's raising their hand right now in the name of Jesus, I speak to every muscle, tissue, cell, thought, emotion in their body. I speak to their minds and I speak wholeness. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, the manifested presence of God would be powerful 
and true and undeniable. And that God, it would again bring glory to your name, to the name of Jesus. You are the God that heals. You are Jehovah Rapha. Bring your healing, God. And we receive it. We receive it. We receive it. We need just a little bit of faith. And so we have just a little bit of faith and we take it and we put that in the hands of a capable God and we say, bring my healing, Father. I receive it. I thank you for doing that in this place today, Lord. Thank you. I also wanna pray for those that are disconnected from your identity in Christ. And I believe that God the Father wants to sit in front of you right now, lift up your eyes, let you see a more accurate God picture of who he really is and bring therapy into your heart so that you can know that he loves you, so you can have a relationship with him. Because apart from him, it's death. Apart from him, you're lost. And the Bible says that if you will believe in your heart, just like Angela talked about her, if you will believe in your heart, confess that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross for your sin, that you can be saved. And if there's any person in this room that you've never done that, and you know God is speaking to your heart right now, this is not just an emotion. This is not just because this is the part of the service. It's because the creator of the universe is revealing his heart towards you, how much he loves you. And he wants you to have relationship with him. And if that's you, and you know that you need a relationship with him, I wanna pray with you. And if you wanna be included in this prayer, just put your hand up right now. Nobody's looking around. You know you need a relationship with Jesus because you're away from him. Anybody in this room? Okay, got it. Thank you. Got it. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm away from God. I need a relationship with him. Yes, sir. Got it, bro. Thanks for being bold. Okay, you can put those hands down. Every person that just raised your hand, I'd encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. Be bold about it. As soon as you can, declare this commitment through water baptism. Right there in your chair, let's just talk to God and say this. Say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you but I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. I thank you that you rose from the grave and when you rose from the grave, you defeated my sin. Not just the sin of my past, but I can walk in victory over any sin that would come into my future. And I thank you that because you rose from the grave, you also defeated death itself so I can walk in confidence I can walk in a boldness because I know I have the hope of heaven. But I also know that Jesus, you came to, to show me that I'm loved and I'm accepted and, and I wanna walk in that purpose. Everything you've created me to be, I wanna accomplish that. Not just for me, but for the people that you've called me to impact and influence around me too. Thank you for giving me a new life in you. Father, I thank you for those two folks that made that decision. I don't know if it was the first time or the first time in a long time, but I'm just thankful, God, that they are open and they let you come and save them. 
It's amazing, Lord. Thank you for that. God, I pray that we would just carry our testimony with confidence, that we'd be intentional, Lord, keeping our eyes open to see that there are people that do not understand who you are. And it is us as willing and and humble vessels that can introduce them, can bring them and introduce them to a savior. So in an Easter season, when we know more people are open to coming to church than usual, Lord, we just wanna, we wanna be a faithful and obedient with that opportunity. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.